five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA. We search the world for good marketing ideas every day. I had a really interesting conversation yesterday with with uh, Dan, and you know he was he was he's got this really great project that I'm really excited about, and B two B, and looks like there's some you know there's some uh, application for mail yeah, but you know there's there may be heck LinkedIn ads might might be the way to go there there's a lot of things that that could work. And, um, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to explain that how you set it up in the beginning is the laboratory. It's the launch, but it's, but, you know, in the ad world, which I was in for a couple of years, you know, you'd try to guess it right. Maybe ask some customers, maybe not, you know, maybe there was focus groups, maybe there was some research, but then you'd boom, you'd launch the whole thing. You know, like I worked with IBM and Gray direct advertising and you know I they, I they asked me uh, they wanted to do a catalog okay so um, for IBM and they said you know how many businesses are there in America and I said well you know give or take 10 million uh, you know but if you if you uh, if you include the little ones probably 14 million and they said okay well how much does it cost to do a catalog and I said oh you know let's say a buck round numbers. They said, you mean for a measly $10 million, we can reach everybody, every business in America? I said, well, probably yes, but that's not the way I would do it. You know, the way I would do it was, would be some testing and rollout and, and scale up. And I said, you know, just for example, what if people really like it and uh, you get overwhelmed? And they said, oh, that's not our job. You know, our job is just uh, operation or uh, just the marketing operations promises that no matter how many calls we generate, we'll take care of it. They'll take care of it. And uh, what happened was they were sold out of everything in within about two days. And, you know, they couldn't answer the phones fast enough. And it was just a complete operational disaster. But the marketing people could have worked that out. So um, what I was explaining was that that's. You know, what, what do I bring to the table when I work with companies? What I bring to the table oftentimes is thinking beyond the marketing, thinking about the marketing, thinking about the different media choices, but how to make those work together, how to test and roll out, how to, how to launch so that we, are, we learn the most possible that we can to go forward. Um, and after about an hour, you know, we... I kind of, you know, explain that, but, but he said, you know, I watch your show and, you know, it's mostly about direct mail and how direct mail is, is a key. Well, a direct mail is a key and I wouldn't probably launch much without having a direct mail component because there's some elements of data that you get from mail that you don't get from other media. That doesn't mean that that's the only medium in the world. You know, it's just, it, it's, it's bigger than that. And so, um, you know, I've been I've been saying, why don't you give me a call? Uh, if you've got a marketing puzzle, if you've got uh, slow growth or competitive pressure or margin erosion, you know, because of inflation or whatever, um, those are the kind of those are the kind of puzzles I've worked on for 40 years, and uh, I'm now in the process of documenting the 28 companies that I've dramatically accelerated and changed their valuation by multiples. 
And uh, if you're interested in that, especially if you're a CEO or a CFO, that's where I really like, that's where I like, I like working with somebody who's keeping track. Uh, that's maybe my main, my main thing in my career. You know, uh, I didn't work with a lot of financials. I didn't work with a lot of mass media advertisers because they couldn't tell what was working and what wasn't. Now you can put that together. You can, you can, you can, you can figure out ways to do it. So anyway, give me a call if you have a nice marketing puzzle and, um, Oftentimes, I can accelerate your growth. Let's get over to the news. Okay, this is from Adland and Yorkshire Tea. Uh, it's a going away party, and uh, they took one of their one of their own, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart, my my favorite Star uh, Star Trek captain, <laughs> Jean Luc Picard, which is funny because you know he has a British accent, but he's supposedly from France. You know, Star Trek is a funny world, but um, let's see what he does with Yorkshire. Tea. Before you go, Oops. Patrick has a few words. Patrick has a few words for you. I got to turn on the right button there. There we go. Okay, here we go. Patrick, it's a going away party, and Patrick has a few words for you as you uh, retire. Where's Patrick? Tina, the void so hollow that you shall leave, the emptiness felt within these walls where only the soft weeping of the forgotten reverberates. Shall we not hear again the enchanting echoes of your laughter or the sweet rasp of your stapler? We must and will continue. Our love, our dreams, our wishes ride with you, fair Tina. And we're having a pint at the dog and trumpet after work. Apparently there's a tab behind the bar. Yorkshire tea, where everything's done proper. They got well, a tab tea. behind the bar. <laughs> I don't think they're going to drink just Yorkshire tea. But anyway, apparently Patrick, Sir Patrick is from Yorkshire. Yorkshire? Probably they say Yorkshire. And uh, that's a lot of fun, and I really like that. So that's how we start most days, with something that's a little bit fun. And now we got to get over there. No matter where I am in the world, I always make sure to have some Yorkshire tea with me for a proper brew. My career has taken me from West End to Broadway, from Hollywood to the far ends of the galaxy. But now I've returned to where it all began, Yorkshire. Okay, well, that was that's fun. Okay. Here's something that I don't I didn't know much about the Digital Services Act and the Digital Markets Act. And this is a, a sort of an add on to the uh, GDPR legislation from several years ago, which that was primarily about data. This is almost geared toward what do you do with the data? What are you allowed to do with data, which is a, another entirely different kettle of fish? And there's been a lot of drafts, and now we finally have a final text here that we can look at, and it is it has some potential for impact. First of all, targeting of minors would be banned. Now, what's interesting to me is that in the beginning, there was suggested or proposed a total ban on the use of personal data in targeted advertising. 
And that's really kind of stunning. Um, now, what exactly targeted advertising is? You know, often these things don't include mail, partly because governments collect postage. As, as a printer from Canada pointed out, why the, why the mail is almost always excluded from these. And so if you want compliance, one of the ways is to use mail. And especially if you have a longstanding tradition of mail. See, I do put mail in here. I'm not opposed to mail. Okay, but such clauses never made it through the committee. Um, but a proposed, but a proposal to ban the profiling of minors for advertising purposes has included. Providers of online platforms shall not present advertising on their interface based on profiling using personal data of the recipient of the, or of the service when they are aware with reasonable certainty that the recipient of the service is a minor. And, of course, here's the problem. How do you know they're not a minor? <laughs> you know, the, the, the truth is you have to know about every one of your target audience to know which ones are minors and which ones aren't. That's what segmentation is about. And so it means that you have to, you know, you have to have a source of such data. And how do you get it? If you ban the use of sensitive data. And uh, so here's, a, here's also the use of sensitive data includes racial, ethnic origin, political opinions, religious or philosophical beliefs, health and sexual orientation. Okay. So, you know, when I first started with buying from Amazon back a long time ago, they asked me what kind of stuff am I interested in? And I said, well, I'm interested in, uh, it's, you know, what have I bought from them? And I'd bought Christian books and I bought hunting books. And uh, so I couldn't put hunting because it was, there wasn't a category, they just had outdoor, and I couldn't put Christian because they had just spiritual stuff. And so, you know, I was then offered um, Eastern mystical creation myth <laughs> books, <laughs> you know, it was sort of outdoor Gaia, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that far off, I suppose, compared to books on soccer, but it was, you know, almost 180 degrees different than what I was kind of looking for. So again, you have a problem with, mm, with ruling these out without having them, right? So you, you can't use the pro these to profile, but what if you sell religious books, right? wouldn't that tell you these things and whether you meant to, to have it or not, okay? But you're not allowed to specifically, uh, you're specifically, it specifically outlaws its use. You know, how do you categorize your items, right? And uh, more transparency and dark patterns. You can't trick people into ordering. You can't trick people into giving consent. Uh, and, you know, like Google does, buries the stuff down in the, in the uh, additional information under <laughs> under that and hides it and and if you don't click there then you are giving consent uh, and the digital marketing act the DMA is specifically aimed at the biggest of the online giants okay and they have to keep records of all the ads they do and um, it's not exactly clear how that's going to be implemented
but I want to get over to Ritson and um, this is an excellent article and again all the articles every day are down in the show notes at WDMA.org I encourage you to go over there and subscribe uh, it hasn't been a big rush <laughs> subscriptions are limited uh, it's there's no charge but then you can look at the at the show notes every day and so uh, he was asked to do a speech for Savanta um, which is a market research company apparently and um, he was supposed to talk about their 22, 2022 Most Loved Brand Award, Brands Award, Brand Award, okay, which I think Cadbury won in the UK. Um, but you know, if you just mention the word, the words brand love, everybody groans because they don't believe that there's any brand love around. And yet, in the late 90s, there was brand love was everywhere. Everybody talked about how you could get consumers to move from, you know, early adopters, testers to, you know, to to uh, people that were loyal to being evangelists for your brand. And uh, then there was an then there was a, a, a Havas published global research in 2007 that said most people would not care if 74% of brands disappeared. And I've always been a kind of a not care that much about brands, I don't think, you know. Um, and Ritson says, okay, so which 74%? And uh, he said, I don't care about diet drinks, nappies, or tampons. And I'm not even sure what nappies are. So um, maybe it's it's uh, depends, I don't know, or diapers, I, I suppose. Okay, so let's start thinking about the 26% that people do want to keep. I read an interesting article from the uh, the Hustle yesterday about C's chocolates and how Mary C's in she she ran a hotel, but she spent a lot of time in the kitchen and she was always tinkering with her with her candy recipes that she would give to the guests. And then her son moved to L.A. She was in Michigan, I think. And then she perfected the C's candy. And then um, her son, I think, lost his job and started s selling candy. And, and he decided that the best candy he could sell was his, was his mom's. And so they got going and they never skimped on quality. This was back in the 20s that they got going. And then the Depression hit and they decided that, you know, and World War II where they couldn't get enough ingredients and they, they did their best. To source the the ingredients they they wanted, but they didn't want to make it without the Ozark walnuts and the uh, Georgia pecans. I guess I think it was Georgia or Texas pecans. Anyway, and so excellent excellent uh, story of C's, and it's one of it's one of uh, the Berkshire Hathaway um, investments and. Um, Warren Buffett is—it's his favorite one. It's—it's it's always grown slowly, but it's always grown, and it just is about quality. And it's about—and they tried to—they tried to reduce their SKUs. They tried to eliminate some of the lesser-selling types of candy, and they basically got hate mail. They—they—they they, they said, you know, we hope you <laughs> roast in your own kettle. <laughs> With a sprig of holly in your chest, uh, and uh, and apparently some of the they, they 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 proposed a class action suit to get back these certain 
this certain uh, items, certain kinds of candy that C's had been making, and so they put them back in. And they and and the point was that brand love was what carried this C's chocolates along, and so they didn't skimp on ingredients. But after Berkshire Hathaway got started with them, they were able to raise their prices, and they raised them 10% a year for 10 years and basically doubled their prices and uh and sales well sales would go up because the amount of money you got for the chocolate but the 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 doubling was in the price per pound and yet there was such brand loyalty that they kept on going along and so the gist of what Ritson is saying here is that we've thrown away the baby with the bathwater we need to remember uh and Aaron Bass basically said it's all about salience it's all about creating action there was no room for something as soft and emotional as love and yet there is love and not only is there love but they surveyed 200,000 people uh you know i love this avoid focus on either head or heart at the expense of the other because if we've learned anything over the last century of persuasion research it's that the two are intertwined conceptually as they are biologically yes we are an integration you know when head and heart conflict heart usually wins that's true but that doesn't mean there isn't a connection between what you think about and what you love as he points out and uh he said oftentimes the studies that ask about this ask this question segment and break down the the you know well what does love feel like and you say well it's a warm feeling okay well how is love different from sitting next to a heater on a cold day <laughs> and they try to take it into its component parts and uh fortunately savanta doesn't do it that way they measure sort of overall pleasant feelings toward a brand and the number one brand is cadbury's cadbury is now the most loved brand in the uk but what's interesting is that he gets into the segmentation down at the bottom. Facebook isn't there. Facebook isn't even in the top 100. And yet I go on Facebook for certain things. Their B groups are excellent. Lots and lots of B groups. Now the advice you get on different B groups is almost 100% contradictory. So take that with a grain of salt. But there's a lot of people who raise bees and are harvesting honey and having a good time out there. Okay. Not only that, but because they ask 200 people for their opinions on brands they love, uh they can segment without undermining the confidence intervals. He says in in not so many, not so few words. And he says one of the funny things is is that women in the UK love fairy dish detergent. And if he said that it's a woman thing and they love fairy dish detergent, uh he said I wouldn't get out of this alive. but the data doesn't lie fairy is one of the most loved brands in britain for women doesn't even show up on the male list males like playstation <laughs> he says what a fantastically depressing insight into modern gender roles and one of the first things i learned when i started using geodemographic variables census data and stuff was that birds of a feather flock together and there's there was something to the stereotypes you know uh down in the deep south not everybody graduated high school <laughs> it's just the way it is you know and you don't have to 
you know, it's not a, it's not necessarily a bad thing. You can make it through life, but up here, you know, the graduate, it, it, there's all kinds of racist and, and, uh, geopolitical sort of suspicions we have that bear themselves out in the data. He says there's a great difference between North Scotland and Northern Ireland and compared to London. He says up north they like their Fanta, which is our orange soda, and iron brew as well as Cadbury's. That's where they, they love their candy up there. And but down there isn't one candy in London mentioned they prefer Evian instead. And so he says, give me my Galaxy Bar cream egg and a 10-hour binge on Netflix. And you can enjoy your Evian and walk and jogging in your Nike trainers, you southern wankers. <laughs> As usual, Ritson is colorful, let's, let's just say. So well thought out. Get over to WDMA.org and get a copy of the Marked Up article, which will be there shortly. Have a great day. Like and share. Give me a call. Share. Yesterday I got some likes on the article. I thought they must not have listened to the end. So give it a share. Likes are worthless almost on LinkedIn. Give it a share. Bye-bye.